Welcome back to a, another installment of the Shepherd's Voice podcast with Archbishop George J. Lucas. Uh, Archbishop, good to be with you again. Thanks, Dave. Nice yeah. to be with you. And we're charging through Advent here, down to the wire, heading into Christmas. So we wanted to take that up this time. This is a, a really important time of year, obviously, for the church and the liturgy. So we've been looking at the, uh, in the readings of the of the masses of Advent, obviously the there's this core message, as it is every year, of Jesus proclaiming the kingdom. So we want to talk a little bit about that today and uh, what that consists in, and uh, particularly because, as you mentioned last time, there's so many distractions this time of year. There's so much noise that is attached to the word Christmas, but not necessarily to our celebration of Christ coming. So I was hoping you could lead us into that and how we can receive this announcement in a new way or with, with new ears, new hearts this Christmas. One of the basic themes of Advent is uh, the truth that the Lord is near, but uh, you're right, there are a lot of distractions. Uh, we have a lot of responsibilities. A lot of things are, I, I feel like, imposed on us during this, the days leading up to Christmas and, and during the Christmas season. Some of them are, are really beautiful, but it, it can become burdensome and, and certainly uh, distracting. I think it's our responsibility, our joy, really, to look for the Lord because He is near and is not hiding from us. So we try uh, in our prayer and our worship and in our relations with one another to recognize the places where he reveals his presence. He's, he's very close. He, he makes himself accessible to us. And as we encounter him, we do also encounter his proclamation of the kingdom of God. That's another way of, of saying Jesus reveals to us uh, our Heavenly Father's loving plan for us in our sinfulness. And our Father's plan is loving. He looks at us in our sin, and instead of giving us what we deserve, he gives us the gift of his son, Jesus. So we're going to get what we deserve if we don't accept the gift that the Father wants to give us. And because of all the distractions and preoccupations, it's easy enough to, to miss the, the coming of the Lord in, in our time. The church talks about his coming in three aspects, his birth in Bethlehem, his coming at the end of time in glory, but also how he reveals himself to us now in the church and through the church, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's like his first coming, it's often very quiet and Maybe he's revealing himself in sort of an out-of-the-way or unexpected place, like Bethlehem was with, at that first coming. And it's, it's um, incumbent on, on us to be looking for him and to be open for how the Son of God will be revealed to us in the way that he desires, not necessarily the way that, that we're expecting or desiring. That seems a particular challenge. As you said, there, there are all these claims on our attention. And I think some of us may be challenged, as, like as you just said, to... I say, well, he's got to break through in a particular way, or he's not happening, right? Something He's not happening in front of me because I didn't have a locution, or I wasn't knocked off my horse, or knocked out of out of the store when I was shopping, or whatever. There, was, there wasn't uh, something that overwhelmed me uh, that I felt. This kind of comes into, as we mentioned some of the readings, and you're talking about what, what, uh, what the church offers us this time of year. Obviously, there are several options for Mass, during Christmas, we have the vigil, and there's Mass during the day on Christmas Day. Uh, from the Gospel reading for Christmas Day, uh, it's taken from the, the beginning of, of St. John's Gospel. And there's this phrase where he says, And we saw his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. And so I, as we were preparing for this, I was thinking about how do we see today in, in that particular coming, obviously at the beginning, and there will be at the end, but how do we notice the glory of the Son of God now? Yes, we have to look for it. Uh, it. You know, he doesn't knock us over. He's going to do that at the end of time if we're around to experience it. He's coming with great power and 
in sort of a majestic glory at that moment as, as far as, as we can discern from, from the scriptures. But um, the, the Son of God, even though he comes with great humility, is still the Son of God now risen, so he's not coming as a baby to reveal himself to us. We encounter the risen, the risen Jesus. But it's in a, a way that helps us understand what the kingdom of God is like. So the kingdom of God, is, as we experience it in this world, is not now um, established in, in power or in arrogance or in riches or the trappings of you know, political authority or, or strength and so forth. But the Lord reveals himself to us in quiet ways. We do experience him, of course, in, in, during the season in beautiful liturgical celebrations. And there is a, a foretaste of the glory of heaven and of the, the glory of being with the Lord in the life he's opened up for us through, through his death and, and resurrection. I think we experience it too, if we're sort of calm enough to take it in, in, in interactions with family and friends, there, there's a, a sort of a warmth and a beauty of this season. It can be hectic and it can be a certain amount of stress, but there can be glimpses of glory in those in, encounters and, and relationships. The Lord was very clear in telling us that in, in the kingdom of God, as we experience it now that that he reveals himself to us in the poor and in the lonely and in, in the outcast. And that's where we're to look for him. And if we're open to seeing him there again, if we're humble enough to meet him as he reveals himself humbly, then something very beautiful is, is revealed to us. We experience something very powerful. Is it uh, the same as worldly glory and pizzazz? Not usually, but it's, it's very profound and, it's the revelation of the glory of God in, in Jesus Christ and our brothers and sisters, for sure. As you look at, at how these celebrations take shape, I mean, do you, do you see a particular way in which we can recognize the poor in a maybe more tangible or a, a practicable way? Obviously, like again, there are the, the demands of family. There's this time together, and we, of course, want to and should celebrate. That's great. But how, how to take that step to open our hearts up? Mm-hmm. Many people, of course, make an effort to reach out to the poor during this season. And there are a lot of collections and drives of, of different kinds and adopting families or kids, you know, who might not get Christmas gifts. And those are beautiful things as, as we have warm and kind of plentiful celebrations with our families, if, if there's a way to provide that for especially other families who might not be able to have that otherwise, it's a good thing for us. But we, we want to make sure it's not an exercise or simply just checking off an expectation for the what's sometimes called the giving season, right. <laughs> uh, but that we really that, that we're looking for Jesus. You know, he he is committed, promising to reveal himself to us now, and and we, we want to find him. And so we find him in these activities, of course. But but really, as Pope Francis keeps re- reminding us, you know, in the in the poor who have names and and faces and stories who aren't, uh, aren't simply projects. So in, in saying that, I don't want to pass judgment on anybody. I get involved in these projects sure. myself. I, I think it's important, some of these things that, that we do together. Yeah. This Advent, I keep going back in my own mind and in my prayer to a gospel passage that uh, was presented to us earlier this fall. The rich man who uh, was dining sumptuously every day, so he had the finest of, of things. And then outside of his door was uh, Lazarus, the, the poor man who was begging. It's a very powerful story because one of the principal characters ends up in hell at the end of it. And that should shake us up a little bit because we realize that the rich man didn't 
kick the poor man when he walked past him and he didn't call him by a racial slur and he didn't call the cops on him, but he just didn't notice him. And there was a revelation that was available to him right outside of his door and sort of the, the means for him to be drawn into the kingdom of God was right there in an action and an encounter that he was perfectly capable of. So he didn't end up in hell because he didn't save the world or because he again, did you know, some active uh, abuse or aggression against, against the poor man or, or, or anyone else. But he was invited to encounter someone who needed something that he had to give and who, if he would have encountered him, would have found he was able to give him something, too, that he needed, but he wasn't open to that. So, you know, that's not a Christmas story, uh, but as I said in my Advent prayer and meditation, I find I've been using it in my preaching, too, during this season. It sets up a pattern, I think, for us to look at and, and, and maybe be challenged by, that the Lord is present to us, He's, as we keep hearing these days, very near. So he's right outside the door, and he's inviting us to encounter him in a way that we're perfectly capable of doing. And particularly, he invites us to encounter him in someone who needs something that I have to give. It may be somebody who's materially poor. It may be somebody in my family or somebody at work who needs something as simple as a kind word or a few minutes of my time, some, some encouragement, maybe somebody who needs my forgiveness. But also, we don't forget those who, who are materially poor. I live in a pretty prosperous community in Omaha, and I certainly have everything that, that I need. But I know that always, not too far from wherever I am, there are people who don't have enough to eat or who don't have a, a decent place to live or a safe place to live. The Lord is inviting me to notice them and to notice them not as a project, but, but as, as people in whom he is revealing his presence. And in the encounter, we'll reveal his glory. Again, it's a different kind of glory than, uh, than the world offers. You know, it doesn't come with a brass band and, and fireworks, but, it, but it's very powerful. The human experience, I mean, the Christian experience, I should say, over all these centuries confirms that there will always be an exchange of gifts if, if there's a, a true encounter. So there's, there's someone who has a need that I'm able to fill, and I should notice it and, and be ready to offer it. I'm per perfectly capable of doing it. But then... Um, if the encounter is, is one that really is respectful, then I will allow the, the person I'm encountering to offer something to me. And it will, might be something you know, specific in a material or even personal or emotional way. But I think our, in faith we see that what's being offered is a glimpse of the, of the glory of the Lord who makes himself humble for, for our sake so that he might enter into our life, into our poverty, and then lift us up through the, through the power and the glory that, that's his. Yeah, entering into our poverty. I think that's easy to miss for many of us, as you said, those of us who have the, the privilege of, of spending most of our day-to-day -day lives not worried about where our next meal is coming from or other urgent needs like that. We can think that we, we aren't fundamentally uh, needy, right? So we get become sort of inured to our own, our own need. So if you, don't, if you don't need a savior, then, well, <laughs> have a nice feast and go on about right, your work. Yeah, there's... Uh, there's nothing but, but tinsel and lights, really. There's no, there's no real glory. Yeah. But, but that brings us to another aspect of this season and, and of the Feast of Christmas, the, the recognition that we, that we are in need of a Savior and that the Lord does enter into our weakness. He, he wants to come close to us where we are needy. So we, we use this example of the, of the rich man and the, and the beggar 
to try to convict ourselves, but it also kind of shows a pattern of, of how the Lord does that right in his abundance, glory as, as the Son of God has, has humbled himself to come near, near to us in, in our need. Not because we're attractive, or certainly in his case, not because we have something that, that he needs from us, but we need something that he has to, sh- to, to give, and, he, and he's ready to give it, and he humbles himself to do it so that we can receive it right in the, in the spot where the, where the medicine of mercy, right, the medicine of, of his care is, is really needed. Yeah, he comes to a gospel for the third Sunday of Advent, Jesus tells the, uh, the disciples of John the Baptist to go and go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. He comes to the poor specifically, not, not like you said, to manifest power, but is to come, I know that you need me, I'm coming to your need. This is the, the pattern. Well, so there's often that temptation to stop at the level of the, the project of of charity, so to speak. It's still noble. It's not evil, but to go deeper into that, I'm, I'm imitating the one who's given me everything. And so it becomes an identification with him instead of, instead of just a thing that I go do kind of outside of myself. Does that, does that kind of make sense there? That Yeah, it, it makes great sense. You know, that what, what Jesus offers to us at his coming is his friendship and a, and a personal relationship with him. That's part of what it means to be called a disciple of, of his. And then I think it's his hope, and it's our experience, that if we do stay close to him, then he rubs off on us. Yeah. And we, we start to speak like Jesus would speak. We can't do it perfectly. Start to act like he, like he would act. We start to notice the, the people that he noticed. And so it, he, he takes flesh in us then, and the members, living members of, of his body, the, 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 uh, the church. So then, then the church herself becomes a revelation of the glory of Jesus, not in the, not in the trappings of Art and music, which are not necessarily only trappings, you know, they can can really assist us in, in our faith and, and in our worship. But the glory of the Lord is revealed in the church as a an agent of mercy. Again, as Pope Francis has said so famously, as a field hospital. You know, the so the church established in the world not to make a splash, mm-hmm. uh, but to to be going out always, always going out to those who are in need to to proclaim. The good news, and to do it in, as Jesus is very clear in other places in the gospel, to do it in practical ways. Mm-hmm. So not simply to say Jesus, Jesus to to people. Uh, we want him to hear his name, or to uh, you know give them tract of some kind about the about what the church teaches. But but to look at them in love as Jesus look, looks at, at each of us, and to see what's the what's the real place where I could meet them to share the the glory of the Lord in a practical and in a humble way. And then powerful things happen from that that we may or may not see in this world. Right. But we have the confidence that that they do. Yeah, we may or may not be able to imagine what he wants to do in and through us. Mm-hmm. I would say, I would, I would put my money on we can't imagine because who could imagine that he would come the way he did mm-hmm. in the beginning. So what you said about the, the gospel, the rich man and Lazarus and... I need to recognize our Savior. I think the only adequate response, especially this time of year, is to pray. So would you be willing to lead us in a, a little prayer to try to take that step? As people seek to be disciples, I mean, that's why they, they listen and, and hopefully are attentive. So thank you, dear listener, for, for paying attention. But let's, let's pray to take that, that next step of having our hearts be open to how the Lord wants to come. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessings of these Advent and Christmas days. Thank you for every good gift, but most especially for the gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
We pray that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will recognize him at his coming, that we will allow ourselves to be drawn closer to him, to accept the, the friendship, the mercy, the care that, that he offers us in our need. We pray for the help and strength of the Holy Spirit, too, that we might allow ourselves to be sent out as his missionary disciples to proclaim the gospel, especially to the poor. We pray in a special way this Christmas time to be alert to the person near to us who might need something that, that we're able to share. Give us the patience and the forbearance to stop and notice and uh, take the time to be with our brothers and sisters in a way that will re reveal the glory of your son to them. And that will be an opportunity for us to glimpse that glory as well. We ask all this through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Archbishop. I hope you have a blessed Christmas. Thank you. Same to you and your family and to all of our listeners. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice, a podcast of the Archdiocese of Omaha. For more information, visit archomaha.org slash podcast.